Um, we, if you don't know, we're in the book of James, and we're going straight through it. Raise your hand if you're the Bible, you're going to turn to James chapter 2. This is exactly where you thought we would be because we finished chapter 1 last week. And we're going to start with James chapter 2, verse 1. The whole idea of freedom, the whole idea of slavery, the whole idea of um, making and giving an opportunity for people to be free is a huge part of our vision, a second place, and a huge part of James. One thing we forgot to do, if you're sitting on the left side of the row, go ahead and grab the clipboard that is underneath you, sign in, check in, send it to your right, and we will be able to connect up with you. If this is your first time here, it's a great place to let us know that you're here. Um, if you have questions and you'd like to know how to get connected, there's places for you to indicate that. And we'll have, we have a team that follows up on every one of you uh, that has interest in that. And uh, yeah, we'll be ready to connect up if you are. Isn't that cool? Are you guys super okay or just okay or not okay at all? Like, man, like everybody do the shoulder roll, man. Like, just, just come on, like, ooh. I mean, imagine how much worse it could be that you could be standing where I am right now. Like, just think about that, right? You, life is going well. You're not standing here. You don't have to teach this message, which is not the easiest one to swallow. Um, couple of things that we looked at in chapter 1. This is like cliff notes for chapter 1. Or some of you may have not been here for this series. Let me give you a couple of cliff notes. Here they are. Basically, testing creates perseverance. Perseverance creates maturity. The Word of God creates change. God does not create temptation. Do what the Word says. We talked about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Anybody uh, talk about orthodoxy is that's been around? Right believing, right beliefs. Orthopraxy is what? Right living. And we are God's first fruits. This whole idea that God is going to renew the entire world when he has heaven and earth meet, everything is going to be new. Read it, Revelation. It's awesome. But our lives changed are the first fruits of that. And literally, the way that you live out the faith that you say you believe, the way you live out is actually an illustration of what God is going to do someday because he is taking your life from death to life, from darkness to light, right? There's a few people in the room that have not experienced that. Has anybody experienced that in this room? That you, that you were, you were death, and God has brought you into life. That you were in complete darkness, and God brought you into the light. If you have that experience, what you understand is that the way that you live. There is no way to live any other way when God does what he did in your life. But then to live your life for him. You guys down? You guys down for James chapter 2? Um, one of the, the statements, I don't know if it's there, but that, that uh, yeah, James drives from the idea that real faith in Jesus results in right living. This is a huge piece of what we're trying to understand. And today is no different. Today is the challenge of challenges. Um, because I'll just start with this. How many of you guys have favorites? Like, favorite ice cream. Wait, on the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite ice cream to me, and just whatever it is, all right? Ready? One, two, three. Well, I'm glad we all agree on that. Um, I will tell you what my favorite ice cream is right now. How many of you guys have, a, have an ice cream problem, and you know it, and you don't want to do anything about it? That is me right here. Um, my favorite ice cream is uh, is only sold in one store that I know of, 
so they say. And uh, it's sold at, what, I think they're supposed to pronounce it Meyer, but it's, it's spelled Meijer, right? Um, and I always tell Sarah, let's go to Meijer right now. And I don't know, Meijer, oh, okay, cool, Tarjay, let's go. Um, <laughs> but you can't get this in Tarjay, and that is, the brand is Purple Cow. Anybody down? Okay, wait a minute, chocolate lovers? Chocolate peanut butter lovers. Chocolate and peanut butter ice cream, purple cow, Meijer only. It is, it was on sale on Labor Day, $1.99. I bought the whole thing. No, I didn't. But it is, it is the jam. If anybody has ever tried like peanut butter and chocolate ice cream, there's a lot of fails out there. But this one's got it. It's got like, like chunks of peanut butter and like this like super creamy chocolate ice cream. I wish I had, I would eat it right now. And I would say it's good. Um, what about football? Anybody got a favorite football team? Yeah. All right, one, two, three, tell me. I heard you. I'm subscribing. There's a Packer hat on the end table over there that just is like mocking me right now. Um, Bears are 0 2, I think, and if they go 0 3, it's like historically pretty much a statistical fact that they will not go to the playoffs, but um, you know. We love them. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so we agree on all that. We don't agree on ice cream. We don't agree on, on the bears. Um, uh, what about your favorite uh, car? Like like the car you wish you could have? Like, ready? One, two, three, tell me. I don't even know what that was. Um, we, saw, we saw literally on Friday, Noah and I, those 14 years of the car, Noah and I saw two, two, tell two, the voice is cracking, two, Lamborghinis. I was like, whoa, that's pretty awesome. He took pictures and all that stuff. And it's pretty awesome, right? Now, favorites are cool. Like, I think, oh, by the way, um, anybody have favorites on their phone? Like, does anybody, this is interesting, because Saturday night was, I don't know, they're kind of sweaty. So, um, <laughs> so you know that there's a favorites tab on your, on your phone, right? You have it all aware? Does anybody have favorites on your phone? Yeah. Am I the only one? Thank you, Liv. Is there anybody else? No. You have no favorites? How do you get cooking to the people you talk to all the time? Like, literally, Brad, you're on my favorites. My favorites, I just threw them off. So, Olivia Can, Austin Stillman, Brad Strongman, um, Rachel Zomigan, Aaron McCogus. Uh, just kidding, those people are just sitting in the room right now. You are not on my, my favorites. <laughs> but now, now feel it! Feel it! Feel it! You want to feel like, yeah! Like, <laughs> what is happening right now? So, I, I think I, I want Aaron Gemma on, on my favorites. I mean, I do. Um, so, here's the thing. Let me tell you a story. A friend of mine went to Jerusalem um, several years ago, and as he was uh, walking through, he came to the marketplace, and at the marketplace they had um, an artist who had just like dozens and dozens of beautiful paintings that he had done, all original artwork. It was amazing. And my buddy walked up to him, and you know, he was going to buy them because they were so beautiful and it was so like it was authentic, and he was painting while he was there, and. Um, like what he said, he said, which one of these paintings is your favorite? And the guy looked at him and he said, do you have children? 
And he said, yes, I do. He said, well, how many children do you have? Three. And the guy said, well, which one is your favorite? All of a sudden now, the idea of favorites is a little tense, right? Now, I know that my mom likes me more than my brother. I just do. I know that I'm her favorite. I know. In my head, I know that. And we talked a few weeks ago about how sometimes when we, you know, when mom and dad treat like our, our siblings that they walk down the water, it's a problem, right? Like, you're, obviously, you're a favorite of mom and dad. Um, but so, this is an idea. I think that favorites, if I were to tell you why you should listen for the next couple of minutes, it's because if there's a flavor of favorites that actually will lead you down a very, and lead not only you and not only me, but all of this community here, as well as this surrounding community, but also our state, our country, and our world. That the idea of favorites, not favorite ice cream, not favorite car, but favorite, the idea of favorite people, that has a flavor of it that will lead us into a very dark place. And if you listen for the next few minutes, I'm going to tell you, actually, and James is going to tell you what the secret is to actually overcoming. So let's go ahead and dive in. Before I do, we pray. Heavenly Father, we're about to read your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us and open it up to us in new ways. Lord, we're going to read some stuff that maybe we've read before. I pray, God, that we see it with new eyes and pray with new ears. We pray that there would be transformation today in every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. James 2 says this, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting where a gold ring and some fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Hey, here's a good seat for you. Let's say to the poor man, You stand there or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Let's stop right there. For the sake of time, let's just kind of summarize that. It's a pretty clear passage, right? Basically, God's not down with favoritism. And therefore, neither should we. So what, what helps us with that? Well, there's passages like Romans 2.11, Ephesians 6.9, and Colossians 3, 23 through 25, which I believe we have a slide for. It says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for your master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So this idea of preferential treatment is a problem. And I think the reason is because of what God knows about our nature. He knows that when we show favorites and we choose not to treat each other as equals, what happens is there is a dark snowball effect that happens. So a question that if you're willing to ask would be this. What would happen if you lived without favorites? What would happen if you lived without favorites? Maybe you need to jot that question down and address it this week in your quiet time. 
Let's keep going. Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? This is, a, this is an example of something we observe. And those of you that have been on missions trips, you know that you're in a third world country that so often those that you're serving are so much happier than you are. Coming from so much wealth and coming from so much abundance, here they sit and they are joyful. They have faith in God. And it's sometimes confounding, but we know that God is always, always with the poor. And he's chosen, the, in the eyes of the world, to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? And he kind of goes through, the, this, this is an example of a rhetorical question, obviously. He's, not, he's writing a letter, and, and he's assuming an affirmative answer, all right? So, uh, is not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? And are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, What's the series we just ended in August? It's called Love Your Neighbor. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Oh man, this is, this is interesting to me because he uses a phrase of the royal law. Um, and he has those questions and he throws that all down. And he sees that, that showing favoritism to the rich and, and kind of like downplaying and discriminating against the poor is not okay. That that's a form of favoritism that God does not like. Why is this the case? It's because what it says is that favoritism is sin. Well, I've got real, real fast. We're just talking about ice cream, Joe. But favoritism, as James says it, is a sin. And he uses this term, the royal law, to help us understand God's antidote for the dark side of favoritism. He actually is quoting his brother, half-brother, Jesus, in Matthew 22, verse 36. It says, when the, the teachers of the law came to him and, and the Pharisees, and a lawyer actually said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is huge. So James is coming back to the whole point of what Jesus was trying to communicate. He's quoting Jesus and he's saying, listen to what, now this is, he's quoting his brother who didn't believe it when Jesus was around. But after the resurrection, James put his faith in Christ and, and now as a leader, he's saying, you need to pay attention. If you live according to the royal law, the king's law, our king's law, the law that he said was trumping everything, if you live according to that, you are doing right. Now, in the context of when James wrote, what the people in Jerusalem would have understood is that they would have known and they would have been under Roman control. And there's a phrase, um, I believe it's Latin, so any Latin majors in the room, I mean, that's amazing. Um, anybody want to get, does anybody know how to pronounce that? Lex Regia, want to go with that? Sure, yeah, let's just go with that. Yeah. So the Romans, the Roman government, had something that was called the Lex Regia. And the, the, 
Those in Jerusalem would have known this, and the royal law would have kind of been like a kick or kind of a, a, a wink to that. And what this is, as I've researched it, is that it's actually kind of bizarre, and it's actually very interesting. There, it was an, an acknowledgement by the Roman citizens that they had given over all of their governing authority, all of their choice, all of their decision-making over to the emperor, over to Caesar. It was called Lex Regia. They, they just, it was just part of their culture. They didn't have really rights and they didn't have votes and all that stuff. They gave over their governing authority to the emperor, to Caesar. And the, fun, the bizarre part about this is that it's not really written down anywhere. It just was kind of like one day, you know, Caesar just got up and said, I'm in control. And you're going to do whatever I say. And he relates that a little bit because really what he's saying is that all of us need to do a little lex regia to Christ in the form of I'm going to love God, I'm going to love others. Jesus first, home first, others first. We're going to put Jesus first, we're going to put God first, and we're going to put others first. And that is the trick. And that's why the tagline is still the tagline here. Because we're still trying to figure out how to beat that demon. Because putting others first is not easy. Amen? Yeah. We need to lex regia to Christ and say, Lord, I want to live according to the royal law, according to the law of Jesus, as my leader, as the one that says it how it is, that I need to live my life according to what you said. The royal law, love you and love others. As myself. We have to try to figure out. Here's a second question you can ask yourself if you're, if you're willing to do so. What would happen if you treated people as equals? I'm not asking you to treat all ice cream the same. Because, you know, I mean, I love that pistachio or whatever stuff, but no. We're not doing that. But when it comes to people is where we get into trouble, right? This is where we see rifts in relationships. This is where we see problems in families. This is when we see favoritism. Maybe, maybe it's even un, like not intended, but it comes from somewhere. Let's keep reading. James 2, verse 7. For whoever keeps the whole law but yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. Who said that? God. If you do not commit adultery, do not, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So Jesus even said that if you think about, if you hate someone, it's as if you kill them. If you think about a woman, it's as if you slept with her. Jesus raised the bar when it came to that. And what James is saying is if you break one part of the law, you break it all. You know, I can't, I can't half break the screen of my iPad, right? I mean, if I drop this on this concrete floor, it's going to break. And it's not half broken, right? When you break a piece of glass, has anybody ever had um, like a nick in your windshield? That starts like this, and then it just goes. And then it just cracks and ends up becoming like this insane, like cutting in half of your windshield. You can't partly break your windshield. Your windshield is either broken or it's whole. And the same thing with God's law. 
And, and some have even talked about the Ten Commandments and said, oh, you think you got it down? Not, not a liar? Cool. Awesome. Have you ever wanted something somebody else had? Oh, sorry. Busted. Because when you look at the Ten Commandments, they're, they're set up in such a way that really you have no opportunity to even get past like the fourth one before you're like guilty. And if you break one of the ten, you're guilty of breaking God's law. Jesus and God the Father are saying to us that the real place is all about understanding that there is a freedom that comes. Verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Freedom Sunday. What is it about this law that gives freedom? Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is when you don't give something to someone that they deserve it. That when they deserve it. So, we don't give back. We hold back punishment. We hold back, um, God holds back punishment on us because of Jesus. He has mercy on our souls. He's, he's able to do that. Um, mercy is, is really not giving something that, to someone that, that, that they actually deserve. I, I think that when we see that this law, when it's partially broken, what we're left with is we're left with the fact that we're lawbreakers. It's kind of like God in such a, uh, a gentle way kind of corners us and says, now what will you do? You are guilty. There is a payment that has to be made. And what will you do? <coughs> Romans 2 is a great, uh, 7-11 is a great help to us in this. And he actually refers to some things that James does. To those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But the, for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. So even when it comes to doling out reward and punishment, God will not show favoritism. So here's the question for you. The third one is how will you deal with the commands that you have broken? At second place, you champion the idea that Jesus first. You put Jesus first in your life, you surrender your life to him, and you accept his payment for the for the debt that you could not pay and cannot pay. The debt for your sin. So why does God keep coming back to you in his word, this idea of loving your neighbor. Here, we just ended the series on it, and we go into this whole new book of James, and here it is again, popping up. Why is that? There's a couple of reasons. Um, i got to give uh, the assist to uh, Austin, right here, walking in, um, for this. He just handed, we were talking about what he's reading. Um, and here's the quote that I, I think is really helpful. Those who are engaged in gross, in self-love, Love their neighbor only in themselves and for themselves. Let us be haunted, be united, I should say, by being nothing except in our common center where everything is blended together without a shadow of distinction. There is no distinction between us. 
And how do we get to that place? And why, this is the question, why should you and I live differently this week because of what we just wrote, what we just read? Why should we live differently? Here's why. This is the whole point of you listening right here. Is because favoritism has a dark side. And what happens is that favoritism, I think there's a first slide, hope, that favoritism kind of starts on the left side. It says favoritism. I don't know if it's there or not. It should be, maybe. There you go. Favoritism, when you begin to prefer one person over another. I mean, how many of you guys have a BFF? Best friends forever. Yeah, you guys, are, you guys are probably okay. God knows if there's relationships that are like that. He knows that I have favorites in my phone. But there's a dark side of favoritism. And when we allow it to go there, what it ends up with is where I prefer white people over black people. Where I prefer uh, white people over Hispanic people, or Hispanic people over black people. And what it leads to is discrimination, which leads to racism. Think about it. And when you take favoritism, and you take it to the ultimate end of the darkness that it brings to our world, is you end up with genocide. See, when we don't, when we just kind of casually take whatever, you know, okay, God, James, okay, I don't have favorites. Why is God handling the idea of love your neighbor? Because all, I mean, most will say, of the news that we see is remedy and address and dealt with when we live according to, if we would live according to the royal law. The royal law can't stop a hurricane, but it sure can't help one after it hits. Right? The royal law might not be able to help with a, a health condition, but it sure can help get through that condition. When we treat each other as equals, and here's the thing. Right? I'm going to say gut check. This is the part that I don't want to deliver to you. Why does Jesus say, Think about it. Why does Jesus say the second is, this, is, is just like it? Love your neighbor. See, the series we did was, was only half that quote. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm, here's what it is. When God knew that you were going to love yourself. He knew that you are going to favor yourself more than others if you're not careful. He knew that, you know what, the darkest side of favoritism isn't genocide because it's where it starts. It starts when I make myself my only favorite. When I prefer what I want over anything else that anybody else wants. When I choose because I should, I deserve to choose. I deserve to have this. Mom will clean up the dishes. I don't have to do that. That's what she's here for. When we make ourselves the favorite, that, my friends, is the ultimate danger of favoritism. But God knew that. And he states it here again in James. And Jesus says, I mean, imagine if someone were to say, sum up the entire, your entire 
like worldview in one statement, what would you say? It's difficult. When they, when they pressed Jesus for that, he said, love God and love others like you love yourself. And there is a healthy way to love ourselves. Some of us are struggling with self-esteem today. Some of us are struggling with not really, you know, checking Facebook and saying, oh, how many likes did my last post get? How many comments did I get? Why? Because we want ourselves to do well. We want ourselves to be successful. Let me tell you, no matter how many likes you have on Facebook, no matter how many people comment that they love you, you got to know this. It will never fill the hole in your heart, which only can be filled by the love of God. And your perception of who you are is not based on who favorited your, your post or who liked it and how many of you liked. And you look at your Instagram and see which one of your photos got the most likes. That is not where it's at. Where you understand you can have a healthy love for yourself that's based on who God says you are, a child of God, Seated, seated with Christ in heaven and just being able to walk with Christ. You have the spirit living inside you. You have the power of God inside you. This is who you are. And when you have a healthy love for yourself and you're not like, oh man, I'm such a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace. Yeah? You choose Jesus, man. You're a sinner saved by grace. This is who we are, guys. And so, as we think about this, um, our response this week is, this is the challenge. This is the challenge for you and for me. I was going to be like, hey, deny yourself all of your favorite things this week and see how you feel. Like, you know, that's great. Uh, not a lot of life change there. How about this? Try to live just this coming week thinking of someone else first before you think of yourself. Good luck with that. I mean, seriously, though, that's the challenge. Try to make yourself not your own favorite this week. And if you write, uh, as, a, as a phrase, we're, gonna, um, we're actually going to see an illustration of this whole thing in just a second, which is amazing. Is he talks about the paradox of love. The paradox of love is this. When love is freely given, love freely given is the only way that a context is created where love can be freely returned. Chew on that one this week. If I love you with strings attached, you can't return that love to me, except to maybe start a new way of living and love you back without a string. But the context is much more difficult because a, a, a context of transactional love is created. Well, drill loves me because. God loves me because. No, God loves you. And I think that that's just a great thing that as, listen guys, this is what it's all about. As we continue to orthopraxy in this world, as we live out the right beliefs that we have, the more of us that will put the other person first, the more of heaven comes to earth. We're going to sing about it. We're going to want it. We know it's in the prayer. We know we all want it. The more that we put each other first, the more that heaven comes to earth. The greatest example of this is when our lives are changed in such a way that actually people see heaven come to earth. They don't understand it. It doesn't process. They don't have a, have a framework for love that is freely given. What do you want in return? So many people would ask us, why are you giving away free food at the food truck? 
Because we love you. Well, what's, do I have to pay anything? What's the deal? I don't know. Do I have to have an income statement to show you that I need it? Nope. Do I have to? Nope. You go on a mission trip. Why are you here? Because we love you. The context is created for love to be freely given back, and that's why mission trips are awesome, right? Because when you give with those strings attached, those kids can bless you, those people can bless you back. Because they don't have to give you anything. They don't have to have strings attached. Today, um, we have someone that's going to get baptized. Her name's Hannah. And uh, it's super exciting. And we are going to listen to her testimony. And then we're going to baptize her right here. And if you've never been to a baptism, the way that it works here is, uh, you know, it says that heaven rejoices every time a soul comes to the Lord. And, and so we celebrate, man. Like, these are awesome times. When somebody gives their heart to God and chooses to go public with their faith, this is an awesome time. Awesome thing, right? So the way that it happens is we'll watch the video, hands in the water, and, uh, and she's going to be baptized by Lauren in month. And she has been with uh, Lauren's, I'm, I'm sorry, on Hannah's journey. And Lauren's been with her throughout that time and, and asked, you know, can Lauren baptize me? I'm like, absolutely. And so that's what's going to happen. And when she comes up out of the water, we're going to jump up and we're going to love it and we're going to start singing some songs. You guys down? So here, he's finished. My name is Hannah Whiteman, and I'm a sophomore at Olivet. I was raised in a Christian household. Um, my parents did a wonderful job of uh, raising me to know Jesus and just really planting those seeds of faith in my life. Um, and God was always there, even if he wasn't necessarily in my direct view. I suppose Everything kind of changed when I came here to Illinois, to Olivet. Um, I grew up in a kind of church hopping, going from church to church, and I, through that, knew Jesus was always with me. Um, but I also um, never really had, like, a community necessarily to grow with him. Um, and I did before I left for school. Um, I was at a church for about eight years um, and really grew close with my uh, family there. And then coming to Olivet, I knew that God wanted me there. I wasn't quite sure why he wanted me there. Um, I knew that he had a plan for me and I was always told that he had this big plan for me, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and I was sitting in chapel one day and and I just felt him call me to youth ministry. And I had come to second place a couple of times and felt really, really at home and really welcomed uh, by everyone here. And I continued to grow in my faith. And at one point after um, realizing that God wanted me in youth ministry, Ironically enough, I started to lose my faith, and I was kind of freaking out and flailing around for a little bit. But I realized that I was losing not my faith, but the things that I had been told. I was losing my ability to blindly believe in them. Um, and I trusted God, and I wasn't really sure why it was happening, but I realized after the fact um, that it was God showing me himself in my life specifically and I started to grow in 
my own faith, not necessarily the faith I was raised in. Uh, over the last year, uh, I've spent time getting to know him better and he's been leading me more and more. And I ended up working at a summer camp um, and working with about 600 kids and just, it, it was wild, it was crazy. And I would not have made it through this last summer without God by my side. Um, and this last week I realized that I was living with him but I wasn't walking with him, and um, Jesus just kind of opened my eyes to that fact, and I would like to be baptized because I want to spend every waking moment with him, uh, specifically with the purpose of living for him and grow to be a part of different people's lives through that.